iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Tribeca Film Festival. Good evening and welcome to the Apple Store Soho. Uh, we're very pleased that you could join us for tonight's special event. Moderating tonight's event is uh, guest moderator and producer Jack Lechner. At this time, please join me in welcoming director Gabriel Noble and our moderator Jack Lechner. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for showing up uh, for a discussion. I hope uh, some of you have had the chance to see P-Star Rising at Tribeca. And if, uh, are there any further screenings? Uh, yeah, we had our premiere Friday night. Saturday, we did the drive-in in Battery Park for 5,000 people outside. And then Wednesday, we have our screening at 4 o'clock, and Saturday at 12.45. It's really a terrific film, and well worth your checking out if you haven't already. Um, just out of curiosity, how many of you have seen the film already? Okay, so fair number, and a lot more who have the pleasure of seeing it to come. Um, so uh, uh, I guess for, uh, we, we've just seen the trailer, but how would you summarize this film in, in just a few, few sentences for people who haven't seen it yet? Sure, at seven years old, Priscilla, AKA P-Star, came to her dad and said, Dad, I'm gonna bring you back in the business. I'm gonna become a rapper, and you can be my manager. And from seven years old until 14 years old, where you see her in the end, she does it. She brings her dad back into the hip-hop music business as her manager, and I go on this road trip of sorts with a father-daughter duo through the music business and through the trials and tribulations of staying together as a family. So, so Gabriel, how did this all start for you? When did you first become aware of uh, P-Star and her family? Um, I met Priscilla when she was eight and a half on the set of a short film I was producing, and it was midnight, and I told Priscilla and her father, Jesse, it's late, why don't you get her home? It's a school night, we'll use her again tomorrow. And he said, no, 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 usually we're in the club at this hour. I said, the club? At this time, Priscilla was about this big. Mm. I said, what are you doing with this little girl in the club? And he said, she's a rapper. And so he gathered the crew all around and she rapped 16 bars. She rapped a, a verse for us. And the way she rapped, it wasn't like a little kid talking about the playground and Mickey Mouse and Bubblegum. It was actually, it was aggressive. She had rhythm, she had you know, control over her, her voice. And she was talking about the street. And so I went back home with them to their one bedroom shelter. I learned that Jesse used to be in the music business as a rapper, left it to raise her and her daughter because the mother was a drug addict. And, uh, and she wanted to bring them back. And uh, so I started going out to the nightclubs with them, saw her getting snuck in through the back door, getting on stage, rapping for five minutes, um, getting back out the back door, rapping on the street corners in Harlem, started traveling to Puerto Rico and Miami and and uh, it just exploded for her. She became a phenomena. And myself, as a music lover, I wasn't so much drawn to her as a rapper. I personally would never buy the album. I was drawn to her as a phenomena, as this little girl who was carrying her whole family on her back through music. And uh, how, how big was your crew as you were doing this? <laughs> uh, I'm the crew. <laughs> um, I actually shot every frame of the film, 270 hours in four years. Um, I worked with a producer, Marjan Tarani, who's here, and she helped organize the shoots. She helped, you know, raise the money. She helped invest the money. She helped pretty much with everything. But in terms of the field, it was just me alone with the family, running and gunning. So you're, you're doing camera, you're doing sound, you're, yeah. you're organizing everything. Everything. And, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, 
Were you funded at all at this point? Or were you just doing this on your own? No, I actually um, did not have funding until the post-production. So for four years, we shot this film um, ourselves with no money, with credit cards, um, several of them, and with just the, the desire to make this film. I, I worked on two other films during this time and completed them in a lot of other cinematography work, but it was definitely a labor of love for, for myself and the producer. And for the tech heads out there, what were you shooting on? The uh, Panasonic DVX-100. Mm -hmm. And the film looks really good. So, Thanks, uh, that's good. Yeah. Um, but uh, so did, were there times when you wanted to have more crew, or did you actually get something out of being uh, flexible and mobile? Um, it's hard. It's definitely hard to run with a camera on your back and follow a little nine-year-old girl throughout the, uh, the world and the five boroughs. Um, however, it kind of started to work in my favor because often it was so intimate and I became almost invisible to this family, and you'll see that in the film, that I was the only one who could be in the room. When I tried to introduce a sound person or another camera person, uh, it changed. It changed the footage that I was getting. And so I decided that, you know, as we started to, to raise money and have the opportunity to bring people on, we decided not to. Um, and so that's, that's why you, I shot everything. Did you ever, I mean, you're, you're shooting this family who are going through some very tumultuous times. You're shooting this little girl who is going through some very difficult emotional moments. Did you ever feel conflicted about your role in this process, about uh, adding to the pressure on her or on the family? Yeah, I think my role was definitely just as much as a mentor as a filmmaker. I'd say I spent about 25% of the time just hanging out with them and listening to them and talking with them and sharing and 75% of my time filming over the four years. Um, so I became a mentor and a friend both to Jesse, the father, and to his two daughters, uh, Priscilla, P-Star, and Soul Sky. And, but it was hard. There's a lot of moments, a lot of off-camera moments of talking to her about the pressure, about growing older, about what she wanted, you know, the discrepancy between her life and what her father wanted from her. Um, and I also spent a lot of time talking with Jesse about what the right thing to do is as a father who knows his girl is talented, knows his girl has what it takes, but doesn't know how far to push her. Um, so I definitely spent a lot of time hanging out with them, talking to them, um, and then I just kind of jump back in the corner of the room and turn on the camera and uh, tell them not to look at me. <laughs> were, were there times when uh, they made choices that you might have advised against? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when I first started the film, I envisioned the ending being Priscilla opening for Alicia Keys at Madison Square Garden. Um, and obviously that hasn't happened, but I also, as I started, you know, getting to know this family, there also, also the potential of her quitting and leaving this business and having them return to a normal family, having to go back to school because she came out of school to be homeschooled, having Jesse go out and get you know, a, a different job of his own was also a potential beautiful ending. And so I wasn't so committed to her becoming a star as I got to know the family because I thought dramatically this could go anywhere and anywhere seemed to be a pretty cool ending. Where it ends up, um, which hopefully you'll see, I'm not gonna tell you where it ends up, um, is, a, is an amazing place that none of us expected, um, and it's the best place for the family that, that could have happened. Can you just say, without giving it away, what, was there a moment when you realized 
we we have an end. We can uh, we can actually finish this film. Yeah, this is about a week ago. <laughs> no, it it would, uh, it was it was after four years of shooting. Um, we had multiple endings, of course, because we were trying to end this film for a while. But none of them. We were really looking for a transformation. We were looking for some sort of growth or realization by one of them, in particularly by Jesse, the father. Um, and it wasn't happening. And it was just one day a gem happened, a moment you know, for Priscilla happened where she had the courage to say what she had said to me many times off camera um, and what she was feeling. But I think because I spent so long with her, I got to see her grow into a, you know, a young woman, into a teenager. And so at nine years old, she was doing whatever she had to do to keep her dad happy and proud. At 14 years old, she was self-expressed. She had a voice. Um, and that's when she was able to end the film for us. <laughs> it, it's part of the fascination of the film is the very subtle, complex dynamic that goes on between father and daughter in the story, where there are times, you know, it's, it's a situation not unlike that of Tiger Woods and his father, or the Williams sisters and their father, or Michael Jackson and his father, where you've got this parent who's pouring all of their own aspirations and all of their knowledge and experience into the kid. And, it, and there were times at the beginning of the film when I found myself thinking, is this going to be a tragedy? You know, is this a, a film where the kid isn't up to what the father's hopes are and, you know, where the father has hopes that are too big for any kid. And then the remarkable thing about this movie is that you see very quickly that regardless of you know, what, what the pressures that are being put on her, she's a remarkable talent, you know, which is what actually made me think of someone like, like the examples I cited, where you have this father with all this drive, and at the same time, you've got a kid who's actually up to that challenge. And yeah. were there times as you were making this movie that you, you found yourself wondering if this was gonna be a, you know, a train wreck? Yeah, absolutely, and there was moments where it was a train wreck. Um, I think the difference between this story and the Michael Jackson story or the, uh, the Williams sisters or you know, any of these stories of child performers where go go goes wild, basically, is that in this film it was important for us to really get to know the father the parent in their a context to them, what he did, that he left the business to raise his girls. The mother was not capable. She was on the streets as a drug addict. He fought for them to win them back from foster care. Um, he went to prison trying to get money to pay for their meningitis because they're both born cocaine positive. Um, and then I found them when they were living in a one-bedroom shelter. So as much as I had to question Jesse, the father's intentions in kind of this, this journey for redemption, I also understood why he was who he was. And that was important to show in the film because it wasn't a story of a crazy stage dad. It was a story of a father trying to do right and just not knowing, not having a roadmap to do it. And then uh, and it was a little girl who wanted to make her dad proud, but realizing that this game just got serious. Um, this was fun when we were rapping on the street, but now there's money, there's contracts, there's trust, um, there's a lot involved. There's a fascinating uh, um, conflict that arises over the course of the film where uh, her record company wants her to go become more of a bubblegum performer, or you know, at least a performer appealing to young audiences, and uh, her father wants her to uh, be a kid who 
appeals to older audiences who, who can uh, be a, an old school rapper. Um, you know, how, how did, you must have seen that working out as it happened. You know, how, what, how did that break down? Um, I mean, Jesse's past, he grew up here in Harlem, in the Bronx, in Washington Heights. He grew up with Africa Bombada. He grew up with Cool Herc. He grew up in the inception of hip hop in New York. He then he went on tour with Two Live Crew and with Run DMC. And so he was lived with Ice-T and worked with Ice-T. So his whole context for hip hop was rap music. And it was street, it was aggressive, it was very much, you know, I'm the best. And that's what he taught her, because that's what he knew, that's what he knew. Um, but that wasn't working. You know, as a little kid, it's very hard for a parent to tell a, a nine-year-old kid to go buy this album if she has four gold chains on and, uh, you know, is rapping about the street. It wasn't selling records. Um, so it was partly the label, it was partly... Um, Jesse having that realization, it was Priscilla fighting for it, um, for her just to be a kid and to be reflected as a kid uh, to the audience. So, but it took a lot of people fighting for her, to, for that battle to be won. But it's part of what's interesting about the film, that you can actually see both sides of that conflict. Um, yeah. it, 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 it doesn't break down easily. No, no. It's, it's letting go of a lot, I think, for, for someone. You know, when you have an idea of how, how you want things and they don't seem to be going that way, it's very frustrating. And I... Uh, and I think it was frustrating for, for her father, Jesse, not to be able to provide what was needed for her to excel. Um, but it, it did work out after there's some intervention. So uh, now that the film is completed and showing, how does the Diaz family feel about the film? When did you first show it to them? Um, I first showed the film, you know what, you know what? Priscilla, P-Star. Whoa. I think, P, I think P's here. Yeah, come here. This question's for you. P-star Priscilla Diaz, ladies and gentlemen. This question is better for her to, to answer this one. So when did you first see P-star rise in the film? Oh, um, actually, I saw it in his house. <laughs> um, and he was like, I got the film done. I want you to see it. And he thought it would be a better idea if my father and I saw it separately. So I saw it at his house, and then he saw it at his house. And um, when I saw it, it was just so emotional. It was so, I was so happy to see it. I mean, everything that they, it showed, like, I never expected. But it was insane. It was pretty crazy. Had you seen any of the footage along the way? or? Um, no, not really. Nope. Nothing, nothing at all. And there's a lot more footage right now, too. There's yeah, a lot there more. Is. Was there anything that really surprised you in the film? Um, <laughs> well, the way I looked, of course. <laughs> it's like when I was watching the film, I was like, did I even know how to brush my hair throughout this whole journey? Because like, my hair was totally busted throughout the whole thing. But uh, besides that, I mean, every, every, um, Every part of the movie surprised me because of the way he put it and the way the story turned out and, you know, the scenes with my mother and then the scene of the big, you know, argument with the dad. I mean, it was all, it was all big for me. And uh, so now, tell us about what you're, you're doing right now. Say that again. Uh, tell us what you're doing these days uh, in um, addition to appearing here at the Apple Store. Um, well, um, Actually, I'm still doing. I'm still working with the electric company. Um, J uh, just in case people don't know, uh, the, the, uh, PBS has revived the uh, electric company show, and Priscilla is uh, a regular cast member on the show. Yes, um, and so we're still working on that. 
also we're still we, we're still doing a lot of interviews and a lot of press for the Tribeca Film Festival, and we still have two more right premieres to do, um, which will be pretty exciting. And then hopefully we go to you know um, hot docs, right, yeah. and and so on. And I'm excited about that. Um, and basically, I'm just doing my thing with new music and 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 trying to get my album out again. <coughs> You have a C CD that, that's out right now, right? I, I do have a CD that's out right now, but uh, just wait for the next one. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's going to be impressive. P, can you, uh, can you give them 16 bars? <laughs> <laughs> give, them, give, them, give them a little something so they, okay. know, you know, they know who you are. All right, All right I'll do that. You can stand up. All right. I'm Lil Mary Poppins, love music and shopping. I'm super califagilistic, gotta go and cop this. Knocks in your system, listen now, P Rocket. Yeah. They can't stop me, no, they can't stop me. I'm real hot, yeah, hotness, I got this. You know the flow is so toxic. I can't help that I'm nice with it, cause I'm nice with the mic with it. Who would ruin them P store? Yeah, I did it, do it how Mike did it, yeah. Reach left, two step, go right with it. You hear the beat, see me, I go right with it after I rip the beat you can have it go right with it that's it Woo! <laughs> yeah that was fierce <laughs> wow so you know I uh, you know what I think uh, people here are gonna have a lot of questions for you so let, let's yeah. throw the floor open for questions now um, has anyone got a question for uh, Gabriel Noble or for uh, Priscilla Diaz um, uh, Frank, are you? Um, do we have, ma'am? Can we just uh, up here in the second row? Okay. Yep. Oh. <laughs> um, I was. This is for P Star. Um, I was wondering, was there any time where you decided that you wanted the cameras to like stop filming? Um. Uh, I can say when just things got pretty hectic between um, my father and I. Um, like there's so much footage that we have of me and him getting at it and like I literally was like screaming I quit I quit I can't take it anymore and I'm like Cape stop filming stop I can't do this I'm, I'm tired you know it was just it's, it's a matter of pressure that was on me but yeah you know I, I didn't let that stop me in a way you know at the end of the day we, we found you know that he's the right person to do this in front of and you know i'm glad it was just one guy holding a camera instead of like other people doing this because he's like the only person we trust with our personal life you know and so i guess it was like it wasn't a big situation with him trying to take the camera out of our face it was just like okay whatever he's a part of this conversation anyways you know P-Star can take one more question then she's gonna have to go is there one more question for priscilla uh over there in the back Um, I just want to say that I've seen over 10,000 movies, and I caught the last 45 minutes, and I actually saw Mr. Diaz at the end of the show. I don't know if you remember me. I gave him my card. But uh, I just want to say God bless you both. You have so much poise. And um, I just want one question for Priscilla. Um, do you, do you uh, usually write down your lyrics, or do you freestyle when you're in the studio at all? Do you mix it up? And then as far as Mr. Noble goes, um, um, on the editing process, it must have been a very cumbersome task to filter out stuff that you, you know, and, and, and I'm, I, I'd be nice to see the uh, deleted scenes and the extras and stuff, and 
I'd say God bless you guys. You guys give real hope to, you know, to everybody. Oh my God, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, well, I do write my own lyrics, and as far as like freestyle, top of the head, I'm still working on that, y'all. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> but um, uh, it's always practice makes perfect. But um, I do write my own lyrics, and when I'm in the studio, I definitely work from scratch with the producer. We make new music on the spot. I don't like to listen to like the stuff that he has. We make new music, and we go from scratch with new concept, and I write the music as well. Um, uh, as far as uh, what I'm doing now, I'm actually singing and rapping at the same time. So I'm writing like um, um, music and singing lyrics and also rap lyrics. So it's pretty cool. So yeah. All right, your turn. All right. Uh, I know you gotta go. Yeah, Thank I gotta you so go. Much for Give him one more Jordan. 16 on the way out, and then you can go. <laughs> Still All directed. Right. I'm gonna walk while I do this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your idol, the hottest title, numero uno. I am a Puerto Rican and I'm speaking so that you know. And I was blessed with slang and streets. I flip words and verbs every day of the week. Deuces. Thank you. And uh, Jesse Diaz, thank you, my man. That's her father. Thank you for coming. So Gabriel, to answer that uh, um, next question about editing, you know, when you've got that many hours of footage, you know, how, how did you make those choices? Yeah, we had 270 hours of footage. Um, I think when we began, we started editing before we were done shooting. We started editing with probably at like 235 hours. And we brought on Dave Abelson, who's also here, our editor. And we watched every tape together and, uh, and talked about it. And so that was probably like a two-month process of watching all the footage. And also the producer, Marjan, was in the room. And so we just watched it and started to create an arc. Um, but the best thing that we did was we created cue cards. We created index cards that had film stills on them underneath kind of the through line of what happened, like Jesse and P fight Lincoln Plaza, and then the tape number. And we put them all up on a wall. Like a storyboard. Like a story. Well, at that point, it wasn't a storyboard. At that point, it was just like 270 mm. index cards on a wall, taped. And then we would start to take them on a blank wall and stick them mm. in different orders. And then we would, you know, go back to the other side and start to do that on the computer. And you know, we we had chairs of wheels, and we just like wheel over to the other side of the room, stick, move it, go back to the other side of the room. So we did that for quite a while. We did that up until the end moving things around. But if you look at our office wall, it now has you know, one little skinny line of index cards and then a full wall of unused scenes, wow. um, which is pretty intimidating. So for the deleted scenes question, or the unused scenes question, that's for the DVD, and that's going to be a tough task. But there's a plethora of good footage um, that we didn't use. More, more questions for Gabriel Noble? Uh, yep, over here. Hi. First of all, thank you so much for your work. Um, it's very inspiring for me uh, as a filmmaker myself and as a student. Uh, and my question is, you obviously seem so passionate about this story, and I wonder what makes you feel so interested in it. I mean, the story is great, but what is in, within your personality or your personal experiences or your family system that make you so passionate about it? Because it's four years of work. Yeah, that's a good question. And it does take, obviously, a lot of passion because there was and still is no money in it. Um, now it's done. Hopefully, we'll get a couple sales. But um, kids, you know, young people. I, I direct children's theater for years and traveled to Cuba and South Africa with children um, 
average non-actors and train them to tell their story through music and dance and poetry and, um, and theater. And so from doing that, I started to learn a lot of kids' stories and a lot of kids' kind of innate talent that wasn't shared unless you gave them a microphone. And when I met Priscilla at age eight and a half, there was something there. I mean, she clearly had a story. Um, and she was kind of like a rose in the concrete, you know, Tupac's poem, A Rose in the Concrete. It's just this idea of someone growing up where there's no opportunity and she's just this flower. And, you, and I saw that right away when I met her. And, I, and then I learned her story. And I was like, okay, there's a beginning, middle, and end to this. There's an arc here. There's going to be a lot of drama. Um, I saw that coming. And, and she's just, you know, contagious to be around. So I think the, the passion was just her in caring and fighting for her. Also having to play it cool and stay real good with Jesse with her dad because there was times where I was at complete odds with him of, of his uh, fatherhood choices or his management choices. But I need him on my team. And there's other characters in the film that, um, that come in and interrupt their father-daughter relationship, and I needed them. And so it's a lot of psychology as well with all the players in the game. But ultimately, the person that we were rooting for was Priscilla um, to win. And so I think just what kept me going was her and you know, wanting her to win and not wanting to end where, where we are worried about her or where the audience would, would be worried about her. Was there ever a time when you worried that uh, the film might come to a premature end, that you might uh, stop getting access? Um, yeah, I mean, there would be like three, four weeks at a time where they wouldn't answer, Jesse wouldn't answer his phone. And those are usually moments where he went into just hiding for just personal reasons, for, you know, being just neurosis about the business, scared about, you know, whether he's being a good father. It wasn't so much about the movie, it was more about just himself and his being haunted by his past and... Um, dealing with being a, a single father. So, no, I, we never got cut off from filming, but we did get cut off from just being able to talk to them on the phone. Now, there's one scene in the film where he's completely a wreck in bed, depressed, and uh, I did invited myself over, actually was at her door, MySpacing her on my, from my Blackberry, because I knew she was on MySpace every you know, two minutes at that time. And so I said, I'm outside your door. I want to come in. Your dad won't let me in. You know, I give you five dollars if you let. No, <laughs> you know, basically just got her, and she wanted me, to, you know, to be there. So, she let me in, and I saw him, and and uh, and I also filmed him, you know, because it's a critical moment in the film, and uh, and he was fine with it. But you know, he lo you know, he goes through ups and downs, and obviously having a camera in your face is difficult when you're not doing good. But the access continued, you know, up until we were done. More questions. Hi. Um, quick question. I don't know if this is a fair question or not, but was there any discussion much about uh, women's role in hip-hop, um, given that you are filming a young lady who has such a strong interest in hip-hop and the current state of hip-hop, there's, there's very few, if any, uh, female role models as there once were back in the Father's Day. Did you find yourself getting those type of conversations or with a, a P-Star thinking about that at all? Yeah, I mean, she, when I met her at, when she, at eight and a half and I visited the shelter they're living in, she had a poster of Little Kim, she had a poster of Selena, and she had a poster of J-Lo at that time. Three very different performers and influences. And, uh, and her inspiration was Selena. She saw Jennifer Lopez play Selena, and that's what she wanted to do. That's what inspired her to, to do this. But through the course of filming... Um, her father, since he was from the old school, he was constantly reminding her 
of Shah Rock, of you know, MC Light, of all these kind of you know, pione women pioneers and not having her follow kind of the, the new you know, Lil' Kims and the new you know, Foxy Browns. So, but it was a constant conversation. As you went from like a gangster rapper to a more kid-friendly rapper, that was a, a really good moment in her life, I think, and she enjoyed it. She felt more comfortable. But we have a scene in the film with um, Remy Ma um, in the studio, and Remy smokes five joints in the studio <laughs> in front of her, and Pr I, Priscilla comes outside, and she's like, I don't understand. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to record. I mean, if she has to smoke, she can smoke, but, like, I came here to record. And, you know, she's 12 years old when this is happening. And, uh, and so she sees it, and she saw, and she kind of just thinks it's ridiculous, you know? She's like, I'm, we're here to work, and this woman's in there blowing her head up. And, uh, and it was great to see. It's in the film. This is great to see that she, was, she really gets it, you know, early, that that, that doesn't work. Um, and then she sees people like Alicia Keys and, you know, people that are positive, and, uh, and I think she, and she doesn't swear. She's never sworn, you know, she won't swear in her raps. Um, so that's a, that's a very important thing to her and to her dad as well. More questions? There's one over here. Yeah, I'm just wondering if uh, you were the only guy there with the camera. I, it seems great in terms of the intimacy and the comfort of the people you're filming, but I'm just, if you talk about technically, I mean, did you have to lose shots because of sound sometimes and lighting, or how did you work around that? Or I mean, because it seems like the ideal way to, to do a documentary, but it also seems like it must make it extremely difficult technically. Yeah, it does. And, uh, and I'm not a cinematographer by trade. Um, I've shot two other feature documentaries, and now I am a cinematographer. But a lot of that came from just lack of funding you know, and learning on the fly. And because I've been doing it so much by myself, it's almost like I, I don't want anyone else because I'm so used to controlling my sound and controlling my light, controlling you know, my rhythm of moving. Whenever I've worked with a boom operator, we always get tangled in the cables and they're in the shot and, you know, and uh, the boom hits one of the cables. You know, they always, something goes wrong. And so I got so used to going, doing it on my own and controlling the sound on the camera um, and wire, ideally always putting a mic on them. Priscilla hates wearing the microphone, but... <laughs> You know, if you get some candy or something, she'll do it. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I got really comfortable and I feel really good shooting. Not that I want to do it again, you know, um, but it, it was just working for the film, you know. So, but yeah, I, I have definitely moments, and the editor Dave can attest to this, that are unusable, um, especially in clubs which are incredibly hard. You know, sometimes Marjan, the producer, is with me and she'll plug into the soundboard and we'll see what we get. Um, and we had to redo a couple of those things in the post, but it was pretty good. I mean, Dave, you know, how was it for you? He's the editor. <laughs> not all of it, not all of it. But yeah, it's definitely not the best way to do things, but it made sense for this project, I think, because of the intimacy. And when you see the film, it's inc really intimate. I sleep in the hotel rooms with them on a fold out. I film till the lights go out. Um, so, yeah. Part of what struck me watching it are the, you know, the split-second choices you had to make, like the scene that's in the trailer where they're having the argument in front of Lincoln Center, and then when she says, I'm done, at that moment, you could have followed her, you could have followed him, but you couldn't follow both of them. Right. And you, know, yeah. you made what seemed to me to be the right choice for the moment. But, you know. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's always it's constant choices. It's constantly like looking at what you're filming and looking at what you're not filming at the same time. 
So I look at the, the LCD here, and I also am always going like this <laughs> as I'm filming to see what's coming next, and also seeing emotionally what's going to happen for them. So it's, uh, it's just a practice, I think. And it's really getting to know your characters. You know, it's really understanding who they are and the choices you anticipating what they're going to do. But at Lincoln Center, yeah, I did go to follow her. And then once she, you know, cleared frame, I turned around to steal his shot, you know, because you also have to think of the editing. So there's a lot going on for, for that style. More questions? I'll tell you, I've got a question in the meantime, which is, uh, um, so Marjan, your producer, I gather, is also your wife. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you've just had a baby. Yeah. So what, congratulations. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> She's here, ro rocking the little, little Nyla over there. So, two weeks old. How do you manage to? I mean, I honestly, as someone who's been married for 21 years, marriage is hard enough without making a movie at the same time. How do you juggle those things? Um, <laughs> you want this one? Um, it's hard. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, but I think. I think uh, it's just a balance, you know. It's fi finding balance is a conversation we'll have every day between the work and between our, you know, our, our private life. Um, I think with a film like this, it's so enveloping. It takes a lot of you that if she wasn't the producer of the film, I don't think I could have made the film, or I don't think we could have made the film, because you know, at, at ten at night something can happen and I'll leave to go shoot it, or she'll come with me to go shoot it because she understands how important that shot is. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a catch-22. It's hard to strike that balance and to let go of the story, and I'm so happy that this film is done, and she is too, and we can now concentrate on the, the next co-production, which is our daughter. But, um, but yeah, it, it's hard, but it's also a blessing because it allowed us to make the film that we wanted to make, the authentic film that we wanted to make. And so you've just worked for four to five years on a film about an intense father-daughter relationship, and now you've just had a daughter. Um, do you find that uh, working in the back of your brain about uh, you know, how, what kind of a father you're gonna be based on what you've just been making? Well, I mean, I think naturally we're both committed to, to our daughter having nothing to do with the arts. <laughs> and, uh, and I like, but um, we'll see. No, I, I think it's a, you know, Jesse comes from a very different uh, scenario than myself. I grew up as, a, as an actor, as a child actor. Really? Um, I went to UCLA for acting. My whole kind of life was acting since 10 years old. And that's also what drew me to Priscilla. Um, and then I, I started directing children's theater. And then I started filming the children's theater that we were directing because we were going to Cuba and South Africa, doing revolutionary pro projects that need to be documented. And I was like, wow, it's a lot easier to sh give someone your DVD than to tour a theater company. Um, so then I started doing film just because of the accessibility of, of storytelling. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think I'll figure fatherhood out, but I certainly won't figure it out from this film. But so now I'm intrigued. Uh, so you started acting at 10 professionally? Yeah. And uh, how involved were your parents in your career? They were, uh, they, you know, they loved, they would drop me off and just say, I'll pick you up at five. You know, I think it was for them an opportunity for them to do, you know, go do something else. And I, and I was very shy. And then I was cast as the lead role in Huckleberry Finn. I was Tom Sawyer. And I had three solos to do. And then I had to kiss Becky, if you know the story. Tom Sawyer has a, a, a love interest. And I was 10 years old. And I had to kiss her on stage in front of, you know, the 
Berkeley, the, the town we grew up in. And, uh, and it wasn't until the, the end of the show when 300 people stood up and clapped, you know, that I kind of realized how powerful and how, ex you know, how exciting, how good this felt. And that's when I just fell. Then it was on me. Once they turned me on to it and I got high off of, of an audience and live performance, then I took it and continued with it. But, you know, they still think, like, if they were here today, they'd think that this, I'm, I'm acting right now. You know, they just <laughs> love watching me perform. But uh, they don't get that I don't do that anymore. But so, you know, that sort of goes back to that first question, you know. So, you know, there, there's a, a part of you in this film also as, uh, you know, a child performer, you know, watching a child performer facing some of the choices that you may have faced at various times. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was always fun. It never became like a business. And I certainly wasn't supporting my family like Priscilla. Um, it was community theater, and then it was school, and then it was, you know, like uh, commercials and some little TV, and you know, nothing. It never became my career. You know, I was always a kid first. Priscilla was attracted to it because of the same thing I was, the rush, the adrenaline, the attention. Um, the, the self-esteem, but then it became a business, and that's where things shifted for her, which didn't ever happen to me. But I could, I, I could read into what was going to happen for her, because I saw the shift happen. Do, uh, do we have uh, some more questions for Gabriel Noble? Excellent film. How did the film get the attention from uh, Tribeca Film Festival, and, and when? Um, well, we, we applied, like everyone else did. Um, we apply with a rough cut, you know, rough version of the film to, to spark an interest. And then we continued to send them new cuts of the film every time we had a new one. And then ultimately we sent them a picture lock, a, a completed film. Um, and we actually were alerted pretty early that we were in the film festival. We weren't allowed to say anything, but we were alerted early, which definitely kind of inspired the team to, to work even harder and free, for free. But, um, but yeah, so we, you know, we applied like everyone else, and then we just stayed in their face and uh, were aggressive. And we knew that Tribeca was where we wanted to premiere. It's a New York story. Um, it's, I think it transcends you know, cultures and communities and cities, but ultimately it takes place in New York. Um, and we also were going to have a baby the same week, so we knew we had to do it here. And now, besides uh, you're, you're raising your child, do you know what's uh, next for, for you as a, as a filmmaker? Um, Transitioning to fiction, um, we do have the fiction adaptation rights for the film, so there's a possibility of doing a theater production of it or a, a, a adaptation, a theatrical adaptation. Um, I'm gonna work on a film on children gypsies in mm -hmm. Romania in the fall, and um, I teach, I teach what, film where all over the country. I teach for the Pearson Foundation. I teach schools and children how to create PSAs for their school. So I do it for districts across the country. Mm -hmm. um, to create PSAs about what education means for them, and it goes back to Congress, and um, it's a really exciting pro project. And, uh, and then I'm looking to make some money, you know, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I need some. I gotta feed a kid now. But uh, no, I mean, I, I'm I love film and I love theater, and um, I think I'm gonna always be kind of bobbing and weaving between the two of them. Let, let's uh, um, just take uh, one or two more questions um, over here. Hi, hi again. I know you mentioned earlier that over the four years you pretty much had pretty much was bootstrapped and financially in terms of putting the film together. What lessons did you learn from that um, that you would probably, if you were starting over again, 
that you might do differently or 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 um, would advise someone if they want to if they were in a similar situation what what would you look at differently from from that financial point of view i don't know i mean there's a, a lot of people talk about a story right and then they also start shooting a story for no money but obviously to get people to be interested in it you have to have something slick and engaging on tape to show them and a lot of people tell me i got this great story i got this great story. i'm like do, do can you show me something and they're like no no i don't have any money and uh, I think nowadays it's easier than anything to, to start shooting and to edit, you know, with something from the Apple store um, and, uh, and have something to show and carry it around with you. So whenever you're in op- you have a situation to show people, because obviously it's a visual means and everyone wants to be a filmmaker, um, but you need to show, you need to back it up. And, um, and I did back it up for years and it didn't work so I don't know what I'm saying I, I, I mean we, we had stuff to show from day one I licensed footage to MTV they did You Hear It First about pr- announcing Priscilla as a young star we put her on MTV Made um, and she schools this kid who wants to become a rapper um, and that got a lot of notoriety, notoriety. Um, she, you know we, we had a lot of footage that we kept kind of editing and putting out editing and putting it out but no one was interested in giving us the money. Everyone wanted to see the rough cut. So I think the only thing that, it just came to just believing in the story and to you know, having a producer on my back who was just also believed in it because it can get really lonely when you're doing it by yourself. Um, and just, you know, I just kept going. And, uh, and the, the good thing is that everyone who saw the footage, I did the IFP here in New York, and so I got to share it with the industry and sit down and show them a 20-minute cut um, and that helped a lot because now all those people are like, hey, you know, can I see that? So the relationship was, was started there. Um, but there's definitely no roadmap to it. Um, we're still just excited that Tribeca has embraced it and kind of fought, fought with us for it. They did the drive-in for us, which was amazing to show this film to 5,000 people for free, have Priscilla perform for everyone. And, so, and also helps when you're shooting someone like Priscilla who can market herself, right? and who's already out there doing her thing. Um, so we could piggyback that a little bit. But I'd just say shoot, edit, show, like, constantly. Good advice. Any uh, last question for filmmaker Gabriel Noble? Uh, right over here. Hi, I love the film, by the way. My question is, as a documentarian, how do you remain unbiased in both the filming and editing process? Um, during the film process, I don't think you can because you're, you're human, right? You have emotions, you have reactions, you have morals. Um, so I think it's, it'd be kind of, you know, not being honest with yourself to, to say that, that you don't have opinions and you're not hoping certain things will happen. Um, but you have to believe that the story will work itself out. I think the editing room is where it gets very difficult because you're left with so many choices and you're left with a family and you're left with the responsibility of these are real people. Um, you know, I could have destroyed Jesse, be honest with you. I could have I made him look like a, a monster father, right? But that wasn't who he was. That was one aspect of who he was. But it wouldn't be fair to show that. You know, that would be me take, you know, putting my director hand into the film and saying this would be more interesting. Um, I think the commitment to telling a real story was something that helped us get through and helped us come up with this. Um, because it's all choices when you go to the edit room. And, uh, and I think we chose to make it real. I mean, many times we're like, you know what would be great? It, let's take that one scene and put it here 
because it says this, and then we'd have to say, but that didn't really happen. And when they see the film, are they going to say, hey, that's not what happened, you know? What's up with that? You, I trusted you. And so I think you're constantly reminded that these are real people. Um, and you also start, I started to care about them. And my editor and, and Marjan, the producer, we started to care about them and not want to destroy them because it wouldn't be fair. So it's hard, but I have a lot of opinions about the family, you know, good and bad, and, uh, and so does the team. But I think the film, we try to balance everybody because we're all three-dimensional, and that, that would be only be fair. Well, I'd like to thank you all very much for coming, and please uh, join me in thanking Gabriel Noble. Thank you. Thank you so much.